Hey, welcome to the Give Me Liberty podcast of the Standing for Freedom Center here on the campus of Liberty University, where we defend life, liberty, and truth for the next generation. Really exciting. Wanted to do something a little bit different today. Mix it up. In fact, I have some special guests that we're about to go into in just a moment. It's going to be Sean Foyt and David Englehart, and we're talking about wokeanity. We're talking about a global revival. We're talking about all things necessary for courage to reach the next generation. In the greatest moment of opposition for the church, here is our great opportunity. You do not want to miss it. It's the Give Me Liberty podcast starting now. Hey, welcome back to the special edition of the Give Me Liberty podcast right here at the Freedom Center at Liberty University. And I'm joined by some special guests, Sean Foyt. Welcome, and David Englehart, pastor of King's Church in New York City. Gentlemen, welcome. Good to be here. Good to be here, Ryan. Dude, I'm so thrilled. I'm kind of psyched right now. You tweeted out earlier today that you're here. Shannon Bream retweeted you. Yeah. Uh, We got to go to Convo. You've you've been here before. I haven't been to Convo, though. Yeah. That was cool. So you got to see that. That Mm -hmm. was awesome. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, what we were kind of talking about, you know, just getting ready for this, this podcast, this show, is what we're seeing right now in America, in our culture today. Uh, you're le- leading large public outdoor gatherings for worship, for, sh- uh, f- for spreading the gospel. Um, super spreading. Super the spreading the gospel. <laughs> I want to talk about that here in a minute. But the theme is courage, right? Courage is needed now more than ever, like boldness. And we're seeing a huge difference in culture right now from those who are wanting to be bold and those who are wanting to mask up and lock down and wait for public officials to tell them what they can and can't do. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine, um, somebody I've mentioned to you before, but Jacob Rayom's pastor up in Canada, he said 2020 was the qualifying round mm. for faithfulness. And he says now, like, they, they just had the C4 bill passed in Canada that outlawed what they call conversion therapy, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm-hmm. so their faithfulness has already been tested. Now it's right. going to get tested even further. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the conversion bill only applies one direction, right? Yeah, totally. You can convert someone, I mean, in the language of the bill, you can convert somebody to homosexuality, transgenderism, right. sexual anarchy, all those uh, iterations. You can't convert them from the other direction. That's, right. That's what makes it illegal. That's right. Everything, there are no double standards. Right, exactly. Everything serves the cultural revolution. Mm-hmm. So if, if, if we're all thinking like, oh, that's, wait, that's hypocritical. It's not fair. No, actually fairness is whatever means required that serves the revolution. Right, That's exactly. the point. Yeah. yeah. So I want to talk a little bit, since we did mention it, tell us a little bit about Super Spreader. <laughs> What's going well, on? Well, just to kind of dovetail on what you're saying, I, I you know, there's that, that verse in, in Psalm chapter 2, you know, which is the great showdown, the, the battle, the end of the age, you know, the mm-hmm. armies take their stand against the Lord, and there's, there's almost a mocking spirit, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a very intense, like, you know, I live in California right now, and for us, it was right in front of our face, you know, like, you can't worship, you can't gather, casinos are open, strip clubs are open, you know, you can go to Costco, but the church, that's a problem. That's a problem, you know, and there, so Psalms 2 gives this, you know, picture of the kings of the earth take their stand against the Lord, they mock, they jeer, but, but, you know, and I think the joy, the joy that we carry and that we have carried throughout the last, you know, year and a half, two years 
in, in the midst of intense situation comes from the fact that we know, you know, he who sits in the heavens laughs. Mm. Like, really, this is your best shot? You know, you're going to try to shut the church down, like the, the entity that's been around for 2,000 years, yeah, exactly. right? Like, right? Like some governor is going to be the one to do that? Like, who do you think you are, you know? And so we just, you know, we just said the church is going to leave the building. Like, we don't need our buildings. And I, I was leading worship at an incredible mega church. We got the best band in the world. We got the best sound in the world, the best live stream in the world. Like, I love it, you know. Mm-hmm. But the moment everything shut down in California, we were just like, okay, we got to we got to find out what we're made out of. You know, do, yeah. do we, does the theology of our songs, like, d- does our lives line up with that? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It's you a know? moment of testing. You know, it's funny, I, pastor friend of mine um, more recently said, look, the promise in Matthew 16 is the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church that Christ has established. But there have been, and I believe that applies to church universal, there have been churches, little c, individual locations, probably in your community in New York, right, out there in California, that this moment of testing has actually revealed that the gospel and the glory has departed from that place a long time ago. And they did shut down. Well, what happened there? That's not really the church, right? Yeah. It's not that it's not the Bible-believing gospel, uh, gospel-believing um, congregation, right? That is assembled together for the worship and the glorification of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. it, it's interesting that you know what you're doing, what you've done all across this country. Obviously, in your church in New York City, that has grown um, because y'all y'all said, "No, we're, we're going to do it God's way. We're not going to do it man's way." Right. Right. Um, but this moment has actually demonstrated who really is serving the Lord. I agree. And totally. doing gospel ministry in the ones totally who are not. Totally agree. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's been a shaking of the churches. It's been a massive shaking of the tree. And and the question is, can you handle the shaking, right? Because pastors don't want their people to leave, right? Yeah. They don't want people to be on the rocks and crashed against, you know, the uh, the shore. They want everyone to be safe. Pastors are generally pastoral. Yeah. Generally, right? Yeah. So they actually care for the people that are in their auspices. A Psalm 2, Sean, I mean, the summer when our church blew up because I was saying uh, the, all the cops in New York City aren't actually racists. Like, <laughs> wow. Yeah, what, what a revelation, <laughs> right? Right, right. I remember this one gal said of my three-year-old daughter, Goldie, and she's like, we, this lady's like, we know that you and your wife are racists and your children, you're raising racist children, because when I walked in the room, she didn't say hi to me because I'm black. And then the other little lady walked in the room and she said hi to that lady because I'm white. So like they were telling all the church, like, that's how that's how racist we are. And we're like, you guys are insane. You've lost your minds. Like yeah. you're 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 being demonically deceived. Right? Yeah. This is this is evil. This is a this is a level of insanity that you'll look back on one day and say this was crazy. And I was um, staying up at this place in Westchester and I was like, well, church is over. Everybody's leaving. I'm, I'm, I mean, I don't know what we're going to do anymore. Mm-hmm. And I was praying. I had my, I, I, my eyes closed, and I saw this picture in my mind of Jesus' hands on my shoulder, cannon laughing, booming huge laughter. That Psalm chapter 2, like the nations yeah. are raging. I remember fires in the Bronx, people's faces getting smashed in with two-by-fours, right? Wow. And all of the stuff breaking down, and we're trying to stand the ground, stand our ground. And Jesus is like, is he laughing at the horror? No, he's not. But he's victorious. He's in control. He's dominant. He's going to win. It doesn't matter if 
New York City wins. I want New York City to win. I'm in New York City for New York City to yeah. win. But whether or not it wins, Jesus mm -hmm. is going to win. Whether or not America wins, Jesus is going to right. win. Yeah, right? Come on. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and that's and that's the missing element. I mean, uh, you know that I feel like, and I'm a, you know, I ran as a conservative for U.S. Congress. I've I've been in the trenches and in, in that kind of thing. I get it. I stand on the hill of abortion. You know that I've given a lot for that. You know, um, of course. I don't know in the last year and a half how many people probably watching have experienced, you know, getting uh, assaulted by Antifa, getting mace, getting pepper spray, put, getting put on the front of Rolling Stone as the super spread of America. I mean, the amount of hate that my family, at least I made it to Rolling Stone. The amount of hate that my- You're on the cover of the Rolling Stone. <laughs> <laughs> that, isn't that a song? <laughs> the anyway. amount of hate that we endured, the amount of opposition we faced, and the spiritual intensity, yeah. you know, uh, but, but, but in the midst of that, I, I, you know, this same thing I feel like we were called to carry, like this joyful warrior yeah. Uh, yeah. reality that I feel like is missing in yeah. the conservative movement. And I was telling, I was with Charlie Kirk the other night, and mm -hmm. we were doing a thing together, and I said, you know, we can't, be mean and angry and grit our teeth all the time. It's like, we're right, we're right. It's like, it's not only is it, is it not, it's not welcoming, but it's bad marketing for the kingdom. Yeah. You know, like I, I think sometimes we feel like, like I had this reality as a worship leader where I grew up and I thought, okay, as a worship leader or somebody that's praying, the more intense that you look, the more it looks like you're constipated when you pray or you lead worship, the <laughs> right. more you're touching heaven, you know? Yeah, and I was sure. like, that's how I need to be, you know? Yeah. And then I had this reality, well, what if I just worshiped and prayed from joy, yeah. from breakthrough, not for it? And, and it changed the whole mindset of how we engaged, you know, and then the Lord sent us into places like North Korea and Afghanistan and Iraq and Saudi right. Arabia and joy. There's something about joy that was magnetic and attractive. And I think that right now in America, there's so much, so many people that are getting red pilled and waking up and seeing how right. crazy it is, mm -hmm. but we can't bring them into yeah. an ideology yeah. that's yeah. angrier yeah. than the one they left. That's right. right. That's a great point. We you talked know? about this. Uh, we were hanging out last night, but we were talking about how just how the the lies of the left, they tell better stories, right? right? Mm -hmm. and, Little uh, Johnny. Yeah, yeah. And so, yes, I mean, so just telling, having a way, narrating, and the devil tells great stories, right? They're all lies, but they're great stories. And the reality is, I think this is kind of... Being a happy warrior, being joyful, right. right? Having joy in the Lord. We ne we can't be defined ultimately by our anger, but by our love for the Lord. Yeah, the other thing and, I think, the red pill thing, yeah. when you get red pilled and you realize like all of the craziness They might not that's know happening. what red pilled means. Explain that quickly. I had a buddy in, in Brooklyn, awesome pastor Morpheus, friend. by the way. Morpheus, yeah. the, the Matrix. Yeah. I had a friend, he called me up. If and, you've not seen it, it's a movie, go check it yeah, out. Go see it, guys. Yeah. Please go Amazon see it. Amazon Prime. Um, Probably cost you a few bucks. The cameraman seen it. Yeah. Uh, and so I, he called me up. He's like, George Floyd, man, those cops, they killed that man. And I was like, listen, I'm a lawyer. And so I'm a pastor and I have compassion, but I'm a lawyer. And so I have to actually see all of the evidence. I can't just jump on the bandwagon without seeing the entire picture. Is the cop married to a black lady? How do I know he's racist? I have no idea. I saw a three minute clip. I'm not gonna, anyway. So he, <laughs> this pastor all of a sudden was like, I just bought the entire narrative without even thinking Correct. rationally, without taking a single moment to process the situation. Sure. So then that happens and my buddy, great friend of mine, he was like, 
you start seeing like all of the manipulation in culture and you start getting offended by it. And right. so like you get people, we were just talking about somebody in the hallway walking down here mm -hmm. who's so freaking angry, am I allowed to say that? Yeah. Angry at the, at media and the we, culture we're in. We're freaking, not angry. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, kidding. I'm um, kidding, I'm kidding. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like you're, you're like, I just was listening to this for the last 20 years and I've been being manipulated. My emotions have, it's not truth. Right. And there's a, there is a righteous anger there, but you're not allowed, like the Bible says, be angry and sin not. You can't live in a place of anger or else you will sin. Right. Right. And so then we have to actually exist. The scripture says that Jesus was anointed with the oil of joy beyond his brethren. And that yeah. should be our baseline. But I get the other side, sure, sure. which is the I'm, I'm offended. I'm right. mad that you're trying to play me as a political pawn in your game. That's right? exactly right. No, I, I, I totally agree. I think I think that there's. Uh, as a friend of mine says, weapons of mass emotion that has oh, been deployed. Who says mass that? deception. Malachi O'Brien. Oh, yeah. good one. No, he's right. Yeah. And, and what we're seeing right now being played out in the media, if you're watching the Ukraine thing unfold, there's a kind of a hyper-reality that's being played. John Boulder-Radard, you know, we were talking about the Matrix earlier, uh, this whole uh, uh, simulacra simulation. Um, hyper-reality is this idea of creating something that's fictional that looks real or appears real. Media can do that right now, mm -hmm. right? Totally. And they're get, it's getting scary, totally. like how well they can manipulate information. Yeah. So you could either, if you believe in one narrative, you believe that there is this mass genocide taking place in Ukraine right, right. now, Zelensky's responsible for, uh, or if you look at another narrative, like he's literally like Captain Ukraine and yes. he's repelling the invasion from all sides. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And you're like, what? I don't understand. I, I just saw this and now I'm seeing this. And both seem absolutely 100% convinced. Yeah. Zelensky is 100% good man. Yeah. No, 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 no. Putin, 100% good man. Like he's protecting, you know, Russian nationalists right now from the neo Nazis. And so you're looking at this, it's crazy. Yeah. If you've not seen it, yeah. don't worry about it. We'll figure it out probably in 30 to 60 days. Yeah. But like, but that's just it. It plays out so fast. The same thing happened with George, George Floyd. Same exact thing. So the media wants to push this narrative. Right. Something you mentioned earlier, and I'm going to I'm going to go back on it, but this radical subjectivism, and 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 part of cultural Marxism is is absolutely dependent on on experiential radical subjectivism. Right. Right. What I see through the lens of my eyes is not reality. Ultimately, reality is what God defines as reality. So at the end of the day, like, I don't think my sin is all that bad, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. and, and like, I read Paul, wretched man that I am, who can free me from the body of this death, right? If you are looking through the lens of scripture, ultimately, you recognize how sinful you are and how, how much in need you are of a savior. Well, and that's where the conservative movement gets off. Like, yeah. you get conservative, you're angry about this stuff. Yeah. You forget that you're a filthy sinner. Yeah. Like, your intentions are filthy. And then you're like, well, Jesus forgave me and saved me. I should be full of yeah. humility and joy and gratitude and all of those things and moving from that kind of place right. as opposed to being super, you know, frustrated that, the world isn't going the way I want it to go. Yes, no, that's absolutely right. But radical, radical subjectivism is this also this idea that through the lens of maybe victimization or through experience, like somebody really did get hurt by somebody else, right? Sure. sure. But then they project that upon subjectively someone hurt. Su subjectively right. or right. or whatever. It, the point is, is that something happened. All right. Let me give you an example. I got two plates in my jaw. 
I was mugged in Dallas when I was 18 years old, right? And spent a week in the hospital. Like, crack, they cracked my jaw open, almost cracked my skull open. How did it happen? Uh, I was a gang. Just you were hanging out with Hanging out. Territory? Actually, actually was walking through to get to my car in a parking lot. It happened so fast, but the point is, is that, yes, I experienced that. Objectively, something happened, but projection comes later. Right. Like if I start, like right. everybody that I see that matches the profile or the description of yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. person or people right. that I saw that night that were in those gangs, yeah, yeah. if I project onto them some mm -hmm. the worst form of villainy, mm -hmm. this is exactly how cultural Marxism works. Mm -hmm. And so it's, 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 it's a kind of a woke narrative. And so one person's burden becomes another man's barrier. And that's anyway. So in my in in, in my book, crazy. Good Kills, which I think you read part yeah, of, I, at least I, the I, at least I read, read a lot of it. I love the book. It's good. I read most of there's it. There's a there's a section where I cite this study, and there's a psychologist that did this test, and she asked, let's say, 100 people, and they asked 100 people, do you remember that time, and can you tell me about that time you were kidnapped in the mall? And there's a significant portion of people. I can't remember the percentage. At 20 percent. Serious portion. These are people that have, first of all, been researched and have never been kidnapped in the mall ever. And they're in a lab setting, a setting of trust with a professional with the, with the white coat on. Can you tell me about that time, Sean? You're a little kid. You got kidnapped in the mall. 20% of the people, I think it's 25 actually, I think the book cites, say, yeah, you know what? I was like in the, I was going up the escalator. <laughs> and uh, I was the gap, I remember the gap was here. There were some pants, and this guy grabbed me right here on the arm. They, with super specific detail, they create mm. a fictional memory based upon the presence of the context of these subjective experiences in the environment, like, well, right. it happened. And so this was happening in churches all over America. Like, you were, there. everyone's a racist. I'm the pastor. I'm standing up. I have my vestments on. Right. You're in the clinicians right now. I'm going to talk to say 100% of the people. Obviously, some people have, such, we're not denying the instances of egregious behavior in humanity, but 25% of the people in that kind of context yeah. will say, mm. because our world is not based upon, you know, tr it's based upon, you know, post enlightenment relativity, uh, uh, me being the, 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 the center of truth and the epistemological center of the universe. Yeah. They're like, uh, they create a whole universe. Can you, and can you real quick, can you explain what epistemology is? Well, epistemology from a philosophical sense is like how we get knowledge. Right. How, where do we get our knowledge base? To whom do we go to validate knowledge? Yeah. And so there's a priori and a, a posteriori. A posteriori, a priori yeah. is like one plus one is two. It's doesn't how you matter know what things. your experience is. It's how you know things. doesn't matter what your experience yeah. is, right? A posteriori <laughs> is I, I, I have experience with your jacket. I know it. I can feel it. I can touch it. And I know so, you know the answer, but I just wanted to make sure you say that because some people are like, what the heck is epistemology? And, and so, but, you, but think about, like you're talking about <laughs> subjective experiences. Think about through the last two years, people fictionally yeah. creating experiences in their mind and deeply believing them and saying this is this is the reality that I experienced. So now I hate my brother and sister in the pew with me and all this kind of stuff and we live in this incredibly divided nation. Right. And yeah. which is why truth is essential. Truth is important. Like, That's right. It's it the precondition of love by the way. So when people say, "Well, I love this person and I love them too much to like to bring up issues that might potentially create them harm." And it's not really harm, it's actually like no, you're tearing down this false idol mm -hmm. or this illusion that they've created or mm -hmm. delusion in their mm -hmm. mind 
truth does that. Yep. And love is a part of that yes, as well. Yes, so if you yes. have a cancer and I have to excise that from your body, I have to take a knife, it's going to hurt, it's gonna be painful, there's yeah. gonna be blood, and I'm cutting that out, but I'm not killing you with the knife. That's right. But That's some right. people, the feeling, the pain of that, the removal of that, are like, you're doing violence to me. Yeah, and then no. when you get healed, you should be very happy yes. and live in Sean's land of joy, joy, joy. That's right. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's the process. Yeah. You know, I think that this, this should be one of the finest hours for the church because people are, you know, they've lost hope in the government, mm -hmm. thank God. Yeah. You know, I don't know why they ever had hope in the first place. Mm. Um, and they've lost hope in, they, they're starting to see the spinning of the narratives. I mean, you know, I mean, the, the trust in the, in the media is at an all-time low. It's never been this low mm -hmm. in right. history. Mm -hmm. But yet we have access to more information than we've ever had yeah. in right. our entire life. Yeah. Isn't that wild? It is wild. Mm -hmm. You know, and yet this, it's like people are more connected than they've ever been, but not really. Yeah. You know, and so here comes this 2,000 year old institution that Jesus laid his life down for mm -hmm. that has always been the hope of the world. Mm -hmm. And I think what I'm excited about is, is seeing how, and I, I've been saying this across America as we've gone, you know, to 160 cities across America, I've been saying the post COVID church is going to look different. Yes, it is. You know, Dave, he's pioneering that in New York City. Mm. We're doing that in California. You know, we're on. You're talking about two of the most, yeah. you know, yeah. wild places in America yeah. that people have no hope for. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll tell you, man, the, the hunger that I've seen in, in, in these kind of situations and cities and, and the, the bluest of the blue and the, the, the leftest of the left, man, there's a church that's rising up, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it looks different. Uh, it's gritty. Yes. It's gnarly. Mm -hmm. um, people are getting saved. We should do some worship in the subway. Yeah, we should like do in that. In the subway. Yeah, right? for sure. They're planning out their weekend. This is <laughs> I like it. it. I like it. it. But, no, you know, and, yeah. I, and I think that, I, I, I don't know, I, I just feel like my encouragement, I think, to a lot of people watching and listening and, and, and that, it, that are even on this journey of, of we said red-pilled, but, but on this journey of realizing, like, the aha moments. Mm -hmm. You know, this is, what, this is what's, oh, my gosh, mm -hmm. I can't believe what I'm seeing. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to then take it the next step. You gotta do something. Yeah, exactly. yeah. You know, you gotta do something with what you know. You gotta become the solution. Yes. You know, you, there's, yes. the gospel is meant to be practitioned. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So a lot of people talking, there's not enough yes. people doing. Yeah, exactly. yeah, that's right. You know? So greatest moment of opposition perhaps in our lifetime in America, right? You're, you've mm -hmm. been around the world. Mm -hmm. You've seen persecution, yeah. things that people are facing. And, and, and the church has, has gone through that crucible, right? Yeah. So you, know, you think about Eastern Europe, the old like Soviet bloc, you know, eight seminaries come out with the gutsiest statement denouncing Putin, denouncing Russia, and this whole, you know, cable of trying to overthrow. He lost you know, his East Taekwondo belt. Yeah. Oh, has, did he? Yeah, he has a black. He had a black belt, but they wow. took it away. Did he lose his horse? <laughs> I agree. Yeah, but um, he, can't ride, he can't ride. He can't ride. The Taekwondo anymore. guys and the theologians, the fighters. Yeah. Well, no, he's exactly right. But like these eight seminaries, they come out with a gutsiest statement, and like I have not seen any American statement that strong. I mean, really, and 
what what happened in the last 50 years, the things that they experienced, yeah. right, that have prepared them for this moment. So the moment of great opposition becomes the moment yeah. of great opportunity for the church. And if you really have found joy in Christ, and you have the courage to fight it, I really do. And I'll say this too, I've, I've, there's, there's that whole paradigm of faith versus fear, faith over fear, right? I believe that a forgiven man is a fearless man. Mm-hmm. If you've really been reconciled to God in Christ, if you know the gospel, like not just up the, the thing, like the factoids, like what are the facts? Yeah, Jesus rose, rose from the dead, you know, three days, right? Dead, buried, resurrected. Yes, you know, he, he's coming for the church and all that stuff. No, but you've really been reconciled to God and you've repented of sin, you've confessed and you believe. I think a forgiven person is true. I, ho- I totally agree. I yeah. totally agree. I think that's an amazing way to put it. And also, the fires still come. That's right. And you got to walk through them, and they're hot sometimes, and they're painful That's right. sometimes. It's always going to, it's going to be scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, I, 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 what's interesting is I'm like definitely an optimist and joyful and, and seen some of the, been in some of the closed and darkest, most persecuted countries in the world, and then experiencing this in America. But yet, there, a lot of this is kind of, I mean, the COVID stuff, a lot of it's just dress rehearsal. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, and I, we were talking earlier about Matthew 24. I, I think the, I mean, I love what you're saying. I, that's something we've been championing across the world is that the, the, greater the, oppor- the greater the opposition, the greater the breakthrough. The greater the opposition, the greater the opportunity, you know. Mm-hmm. I wanted, when we started getting attacked for doing all this and, and uh, you know, articles were going up and people were just, you know, shredding us online and it was hate, hit piece articles that one's being written right now by the New York Times I, you know, looking forward to that one. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be a good one. I, you know, okay, I couldn't, I couldn't yeah. find like really sound wisdom a lot from pastors across America. I know a lot of them. They were all wanting me to, you know, well, explain yourself and tell them what you really think and make sure that you, you know, you're the one that frames the narrative where, you know, my political friends that are, they're, they're amazing guys, they're believers in, in the political realm. They're like, oh, this is going to be amazing let let the opposition build your opportunity, mm. you know? And um, and they knew something because they're in the trenches in this world where you, the fighters, you know, mm. they understand how God can use even the greatest trials, trauma, tragedies in your life, and he can turn it all around. Mm. That's right. And that's our story, Yeah. you know? Um, and that, that becomes a story. And so I think that there's some of that stiffening of the spine, mm-hmm. you know, where we can't be soft anymore. Like, these are not the days yep. of being a soft, Mm-mm. let's just hug it out. Like, we have to be people that have, you know, Billy Graham said, when a courageous man takes a stand, the spines of everyone else are stiffened. Yeah. You know, and we need, we need people with stiff spines right now. We do. You know, and, and the Matthew 24 thing says, Jesus is saying, hey, it's going to get crazy. Mm. It's going to get wild. This was just a dress rehearsal. Yeah. Like, that's what I think. The COVID thing, the tracing, the, all that kind of stuff, they're just, it's just in prep. Yeah. For something even more crazy that's going to be coming. Yeah. You know, and it allowed us the opportunity to say, okay, how did I respond? Mm-hmm. And I tell people, they come to our events all across America and, and they were like, man, I was so filled with fear. And I finally, and I'm like, that's okay. As long as you woke up, mm-hmm. you know, no Awake, shame. not woke, right? Yeah. As yeah. long as you, as long as you allowed the Lord to let you see this and mm-hmm. respond, as long as you, there's no shame for, you know, a lot of them were now they're some of our biggest supporters before they were our biggest adversaries. Mm. 
You know, so there's no shame. It took a minute. But as long as you're in the season, you say, okay, it's like the sons of Issachar knowing the times and the seasons. Exactly what to do. Yeah. You know, that, that's where we need to be. That's right. But I love that, that last part you just said about the grace, though. So there is that moment of like, would have been nice to have you early. But welcome aboard. I'm glad, right, I'm totally. glad you finally and got it. And that's where yeah. we got to be. Yeah. We can't shame that's people. That's a good word. I like You know, that. we can't shame people. And I'll say this. This is on a personal note, like, to get super emo. But, you know, being in the worship world and in, in the worship industry and, and, and riding with everybody you could think of, mm-hmm. right? And then when we stood up to worship God outside, yeah, these people abandoned me. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of them went on and, I mean, they said the craziest things, you know? And... I got this word, you know, that it, but from a guy, a spiritual father, he was saying, you know, but there is going to come a season like Joseph where the brothers come back. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know, and, and when the brothers come back, and I, I, the reason I love that story is because he's like weeping, mm-hmm. like he wants to be mm-hmm. angry and get yeah, his vengeance, totally. but he can't, yeah. right. you know, and, right. and, and that's how we got to be in this season. Because I'm telling you, there's a harvest. Mm-hmm. There's people that are coming in. There's people that, that came against us hard and they're going to come back. And we got to have a lot of grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. And that's Christ. That's Christ's likeness right there, too, yeah. because, I mean, everybody, including Peter, betrayed him, really, at the end of the day, denied him. So we have to remember that. What I, I just got done, just, you know, reading the story of Joseph, actually, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And it's just it's interesting because his whole lifetime was really building up to that point that God was going to set him up. Right. To be this this man in Egypt, you know, a shepherd boy sold into slavery becomes a prince of egypt later on god, god raised 400 Disney years later comes out yeah, that's right that's right 400, 400 years later <laughs> Great though, soundtrack. moses is a prince of egypt forsakes bears the reproach of christ right is greater than the riches of egypt as, as hebrews says he starts out as a prince becomes a shepherd it's like this chiasm structure that happens in the story which is absolutely incredible but just the idea of the providence of god in very strange difficult times famine in the land all of these things, like, oh, isn't this rich? You know, that sounds like, like a good b- next book for you. <laughs> the, right? Just this in the Bible. Shepherd to Prince, Prince to Shepherd. Yeah, yeah I like that. It's, it's, you it's, should do that. There you go. Do you it's, have your next book figured out? I don't know. We'll figure this We're out. We're doing that. We're we'll doing fig- that one next. All right, let's do that Pre-sales next. Sales in the lower thirds right now on the bar. <laughs> but I mean, it's just, it's incredible. God writes the story. It's really right? cool. Yeah. The grand narratives. Today, we live in an age of such mass confusion and chaos because right. there is no, no longer this understanding of a grand narrative. There's not a grand story of yep. America, yep. right? Yep. And this idea of getting rid of the old, old yep. culture, old religion, yes. right? All of these things, cold, yeah. old morals. Yeah. Well, right, and the, issues, the issue is in, in the Enlightenment and evolutionary theory destroy the power of narrative. Yeah. Because it says this, in the beginning of everything was an accident. And you are the product of an accident. Mm-hmm. Everything you do are yeah. the billiard ball physics products of accidents. Right. Mm-hmm. And all of your decisions are determined by these billiard ball physics products of accident strength theory. However you want to, you know, yeah. determine your physics. You're still just kind of domino effect of this accident that happened. So it, it, it guts the power of story itself. Identity, yeah. Yeah. John chapter 1 says in the beginning was the, the word. word. Yeah. So what is a word? I make this noise. And in, that, in this noise is meaning, and it travels from me to you. Mm-hmm. So word is really a carrier of meaning. And so John 1 says, in the beginning was meaning, was purpose, 
was mm. su substance, real narrative. And all things were made through the meaning of God. Yeah. Nothing was made that was not made through his specific meaning, purpose, and plan. Yeah. It's exactly the opposite of the world we live in right now, which is why the church should be able to tell compelling stories yeah. like... That's right. Cut to the lower third. Yeah. Super, super spreader. Super spreader. <laughs> you no, know, it's like... That, it, have you ever been into speech act theory? Have you looked at that stuff no, before? But no. it's, it's very very similar in terms of how that that process works. Really interesting. But but uh, when you look at what happens in, in John chapter one, similar to Genesis one, um, the entire Western construct is largely defined. The way we think about things in terms of linear progression is logocentricism. And what's interesting is post-modernity tries to rid ourselves of logocentricism in order to introduce radical subjectivity. Which is why I hate the word woke. Yes. I, mean, I, I yeah. was talking to Charlie about this a long time ago, but I'm like, I hate the word. I hate the destruction of the English language. Mm -hmm. I hate that inherently inside of this concept yep. that is about being continually aware of subjective wrongs at right. all times. Right. It's titled by a misuse of the English language. Right. Like the breakdown of the whole system is inherent in the title itself. Right. Yeah, well see you you you've been you're you're part you're the oppressor class. It's overturning right. the hierarchy. That's right. Exactly. Including the That's racist right. language. Exactly. Right? right. Or racist math That's or right. racist exactly. whatever. Everything is racism. Yeah. But yeah, so so okay, moving on. I, I'm not going to ask you to make predictions about the end of the year, but I would just say like what what do you want to find yourself to be doing? We're talking about sports, no. courses. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. But I mean, just in your ministries and what's going on, what do you want to? I don't even know if we even talked about super spreader quite yeah. yet. But I want to hear. Yeah, talk about, about super spreader. Yeah. Oh, we're just finishing a documentary right now. That's kind of, it's really the testimony of what God did through Let Us Worship and what happened in 2020 and this movement that ignited that was accidental. The church left the building, thousands of people showed up. And then really, you know, tying into what I, I want to see is I, I do feel like these great words about the end time harvest, the billion soul harvest, the season where, you know, the fields are ripe. And, and, and I, I, I think now more than ever, and this is what's so powerful about the documentary, is showing that God chose to do something I mean, I've never seen, what I've seen in the last 18 months in America, I've never seen, I never even imagined I would see. Mm. 7,000 people in Portland yeah. coming to worship, people running down to the altars, throwing their drugs, their, their, you know, uh, their stuff on the stage, wanting to get baptized in the cold river behind us Amazing. down there. Like that kind of stuff, that desperation, that hunger, that, that I mean, we, we, know, we know what the stakes are, you know. Opioids is the number one killer in America. We know that 40% of Gen Z is battling their sexuality. Yeah. We know that depression is rampant, highest than it's ever been. Suicides are higher than it's ever been. Crime is surging higher than it's ever been. New York, thanks a lot to New York City. Um, it's true. I mean, it, it, we are in, this is a, a moment of crisis. And mm -hmm. so we can stand on our ideological, you know, uh, pillars and, and scream at each other, but there's a harvest we got to win out there, yeah. you know? And so I feel like that that's what really compels me the most. And, you know, the more crazy things get towards the midterms, the, the greater the harvest, Yeah. you know? I mean, because people are looking in the midst of this mm. battle. They're looking for truth and hope and the message of Jesus resonates, you know? And so that's what I'm most excited about. I, you know, we have 12 cities this year 
that the Lord told us to go to. We start in the Cajun Dome in Lafayette, Louisiana and, and, um, in three weeks. Mm. And then we end in Washington, D.C. a week and a half before the midterms. We're going to be in the National Mall. So that'll be October 22nd mm. in the National Mall. It's going to be epic. We already have a, a, a room reserved. This is really cool. We have a room reserved inside of the Capitol. Wow. We just got, got it finalized yesterday. So we're going to have a, a meeting, 300 people is all we can fit in there inside of the Capitol. We're going to do like a rumble prayer meeting with senators, Congress members. That's you amazing. Know, that's and, and it's going to be wild. And it, according to these senators, nothing like that's ever happened. I don't know how Pelosi's letting us do it, but we're doing it. Yeah. And unmasked. Uh, yeah, unmasked. Yeah. Who would have thought? That's amazing. Who would have thought? That now that masks aren't a thing because of the State of the Union, they're not right. a thing anymore. Yeah, so. right, right. Political so that's science. what I'm excited about, that's Harvest awesome. in America, and, and I'm excited about guys like this that are this pioneering way. churches in, in, in difficult areas that people have written off. I love it when people write places off because God always looks for that. Yeah, totally. yeah. He's like, I want to move into places people turns, have written turns off. Turns the world yeah. upside down, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. What about you, David? Yeah. Um, just serving, serving my church, serving my family, serving Jesus. I want to be a guy that just can be a, a stepping stool for people and even like Sean in New York City or whatever God wants to do. Amen. And so the kingdom of God can be established in my time, in my land. That's right. And uh, that would be an amazing legacy. Yeah. You know? A friend of mine is pastor and Marine tweeted the other day, I want friends that, that I can be in the foxhole with. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. that's what I'm looking for. Like long term, I want people who are going to charge the gates of hell. People yeah. are going to take it on and say, that, I mean, this is, this, is, this is the moment. Jordan Peterson and, uh, says the same thing. He's like, He's like, if you have a success in your life and, and like you go tell your friend and they say, it's, it, it's never happened to a more deserving person. Mm. I'm so proud of you. Mm. I'm so glad this happened to you. Mm. He said, you found yourself a real friend. Yeah. I think that's amazing. That's powerful. I think that's so yeah. amazing. It's so rare in the church. Yeah. It's like people clawing to get on the stage. Yeah. Right. Burn the stage to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, this is the providence. That's your takeaway. Burn providence of God and in, in sort of how he blesses, right, and chooses yeah. to bless. And there's seasons, mm -hmm. right? We have to exactly. Be, we have to remember that. Like, exactly. There's seasons of life. And so there's moments where this is this moment where God is going to use you for a specific task. And at the end of the day, you're the servant of yes. the Lord. You're, yes. you're, you're the cupbearer to the king. Exactly. You're not the king. Exactly. And some yeah, people exactly confuse right. that, right? Yeah. So I know we're going to, we got to wrap up, but guys, thank you so much for joining. Honored. Uh, so awesome to have you on yeah. campus. We're going to have you back. Uh, hopefully speaking in front of students, hopefully on the big stage. We're going to love it. Uh, but uh, thank you guys for tuning in to the Give Me Liberty podcast. We're going to wrap it up. Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to the Give Me Liberty podcast. Very quickly, if you have a question or a comment, something that you want to share with us, please email us at freedom, freedom at liberty.edu, freedom at liberty.edu. We'd love to hear from you. Probably we'll read your question on an upcoming episode. Be happy to answer it here. Please like and subscribe and share with a friend. Only true friends share the Give Me Liberty podcast. Thank you so much. God bless you guys. Until next time, we'll see you later.